Welcome to Insight Talks, a podcast hosted by MedEngine, where we invite extraordinary individuals from within the field of pharma and healthcare to discuss and examine timely topics that are shaping the world around us. In this episode, we get to discuss with Serpa Soini, director of the National THL Biobank in Finland. Inside medical research community, Serpa Soini is an exceptional outlier. With a background in law, her unique vantage point has made her a key player in securing and maximizing the benefits of biobanks in our digital future. With her guidance, we get to explore the outer reaches of where biobanks are going and how the new applications in data are transforming the landscape of medtech and pharma. Welcome to Inside Talks, Sirpa. It's great to have you here. You're one of the leading experts in biomedical law and regulation, and, and you're also the director of THL Biobank, which is the biobank of the Finnish Institute for Health and Welfare. But I've understood that you've been interested in the uh, genomics and uh, biomedical law and bioethics uh, since your time at the, at the university when you were studying law. So what was it in this area that uh, got you attracted compared to Uh, let's say, more traditional areas of, of law, such as business or uh, criminal law? Well, thank you for, for the invitation to come here and, and talk about uh, this biomedical field, which is very interesting. Well, I think many people at, at my age might say that the, the career is a lot of coincidences. But basically, I've always been interested already at school time about biology. So uh, we studied banana flies, and then I wrote in my English Issei in, in Baccalaureate, I wrote about genetics, and it always was appealing. But at the same time, I'm also very interested in political issues and, and like to influence somehow. So I understood that I couldn't be just a researcher or, or natural scientist, but I wanted to do something that I can make some impact maybe. But at the time, there were no, none such legal discipline like biomedical law at the university. So I kind of, I, and I used to work in, um, in a commercial bank as a bank clerk at first and later on as a bank lawyer. Uh, so it was basically, my career has been very straightforward. From the beginning I was working in a bank and now I work in a THL biobank. But I think the material has changed from money to, to some more biological material. But yeah, lots of had happened in between. Uh, but uh, then I <coughs> worked as an attorney and I had pharmaceutical companies as clients. So I got very fascinated about what they were doing and, and how, how to improve uh, health of the people and how to study. And, and so one thing led to another and I found myself studying these issues in, in, in pr different projects where I was serving as a legal expert. Yeah, so it was basically like a combination of, of your main interests, biology and medicine and, and law and political issues as well. Yeah, and also then of course the coincidence, what happens that uh, all of a sudden, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you've been working um, uh, for quite a long time already at the, at the Finnish Institute for Health and Welfare. So, so what was your Uh, path or career journey uh, after the banking world uh, when you started working in this field? Well, um, I was a mother of many children at a certain time after my, at, when I was working as an attorney and the law office uh, ended up at the time. 
So then I got involved in different various projects. Uh, for instance, one of them was there was talk about establishing biobanks in Finland already like 2005-2006. And I started following that. And, and uh, in the course of these different projects, I got to learn a lot of people. And, and then there was a place open at the Public Health Institute of Finland. It wasn't directly uh, in the biobanking thing or a legal position. It was more like a public health project manager doing development project, which was actually very interesting also. But I had a small portion of my time uh, to also to be the kind of the institute's representative uh, as regarding legal matters in it for when we were trying to establish Biobank Act in Finland. So that was how it started actually, that uh, I, I got involved in the Biobank issues already like, like 15 years ago. Yeah. How did it feel when the biobank law was first time passed? Of course, it was very thrilling uh, at the time, and we were very r- rushing to make all the standard operational procedures. Of course, we had the protocols already established, but also trying to apply for the ethics review and then the, the license from the supervising authority and, and building up the practices and so on. So, of course, it was very thrilling, and we have very good collaboration in the Finnish between all the Finnish. Uh, institutes or hospitals who established biobanks. So it was, we knew each other and we tried since the beginning, tried to develop common practices and share information and help each other with the, the documentation and bureaucracy and, and, and think what we want to achieve. So uh, what does director of biobank do in, in practice? What's included in the role? For instance, giving interviews like this. No, I, I think uh, there are many roles. For instance, of course, there's a lot of administration and, and uh, legally the biobank, the person who is domi- nominated as to be in charge of the biobank is in charge of data protection and other quality matters and so on and so forth. Uh, but of course, we have a good, good people to do all these tasks, so it's I don't have to do them myself. Um, but then, of course, uh, trying to negotiate with the stakeholders inside the institute how to develop the practices of how to use our Uh, repositories with the ministries trying to be involved in all the discussions which are aiming at changing or improving legislation or also making motions if there are things that don't work and then giving lectures teaching meeting people so it's a very various meeting clients um, trying to develop better practices and improve our activities try to foresee the future as well which is not that easy so it's important to also keep in touch with the With the science, even though I'm my basic tr- training is a lawyer, so I try to understand what's going in, on in in the medicine and what are the gaps and needs. So there's no basically like a typical work day for you, but every day is very different. Yeah, that's true. The purpose of biobanks is to collect uh, biological samples and also data related to the donors of those samples. And uh, they are collected for um, a variety of future uh, research, uh, not for a specific study. So what types of uh, samples and data you have at the THL Biobank and how all this research material have been collected? Well, uh, indeed, we are uh, the part of the, the research institute, and, and most of our kind of basic material derives from the, the cohort studies that the, the institute has pursued since 60s. Uh, one of the oldest one is the so-called mobile clinic, 
in which we have serum samples from people from all over the world, all over the Finland at the time. Um, and also x-rays were taken, interviews were made, there were measurements, and, and also those samples were analyzed. So that's our oldest collection that has been actually recently used for to detect prevalence of Lyme disease 50, more than 50 years ago. But in addition, we have these certain cohort studies that the THL conducts every five years called FinRiski studies. Many people know them in the world just by name FinRiski. They are so much used for in, in many places, particularly in the United States. But in addition, we have Health 2000 and 2011, and these are kind of the core cohorts in our institute where our DNA samples were collected since 90s. There are plasma serum, nowadays DNA samples from everybody, and also they have been genotyped or sequenced, uh, some RNA expression data, and also lots of data from, from those people, measurements, uh, analysis from the labs, uh, there were very broad palette of different kind of lab values that were analyzed from those samples. And then it's possible to link them to national registries, but we don't ourselves, we don't have the registry data in a biobank, but it's possible uh, under certain circumstances. But recently there have been also new collections uh, collected by, by a broad consent, like the, the novel fin, the FinHealth 2017, and there will be a new one in 22, 23. And then uh, some research institutes or universities have transferred their old valuable collections to our biobank, like uh, the twin study, which is um, a very long-standing study, many tens of thousands of, of research participants. Uh, diabetes studies, Botnia, for instance, which is a very, very important international diabetes 2 study. And then, uh, for instance, novel kind of a study, a gene risk, where they were collecting lots of data and, and also genomic information from and different kinds of other information from the people. So we have a wide palette of different kinds of studies. Also, one of the novel studies also is um, the super study, which is, um, is a big international study about the psychosis uh, patients, psychiatric psychosis patients, and then also migraine study. So we have different kinds of collections in our biobank, and, and also lots of data from those research participants. Yeah, so both population-based collections and disease. Yes, both population-based collections and also disease-specific, yes. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, the word broad consent. Yeah. So could you explain what, what does it mean in practice and why it is important for the biobank studies? Yes, I think for the past 25-30 years, there has been a debate about how could person give a consent because there is a strong doctrine of informed consent that, that the person giving a consent must know who is the researcher, what is the research question, how, how, how long is the research going on, and so on and so forth. So basically it has, been very, has to be very detailed and specific. That's the, the tradition uh, with informed consent in, in medical science and medical ethics. But it doesn't work, it doesn't work in, in, a, in a biobank setting because basically the, the idea is to build up a good research, good quality research infrastructure, which can be used for various research studies. And it, it's not possible in advance to tell the people who will study maybe this collection in five years or what is the research question. Uh, and also disease taxonomy is changing, so you, it's not very kind of a sensible to say that we are examining 
type 1 diabetes or we are just examining this certain specific disease because there are underlying pathways and metabolics and things like that that affect. And there may be several diseases that certain gene is affecting and vice versa. So it's very difficult to, to explain the research participants or it's impossible to explain them what's going to happen in the future. So instead, the Finnish biobank has been built so that, that the person can give a broad consent but there has to be, it has to be balanced by information about who is the kind of a register keeper and, and the custodian of the biobank, who is in charge, who, who is the one who will be responsible and, and will provide more further answers and in case it needed. So I think for those people who are concerned about the use of their data so they can always have the connection to the, the custodian biobank instead of individual researchers all over the world actually. But it's up to the biobank to make sure that all the arrangements and, and agreements are in place so that the privacy is always protected. And I must say it has worked well. Yeah. And uh, there is uh, potentially a new biobank law coming in coming years. Um, do you expect that we will still be able to operate under the broad consent? I definitely hope so, because otherwise I think uh, this simply doesn't work and it would actually hinder progress of, of medical science if we, if we can't maintain that. Mm, I think there has been discussion of whether GDPR prevents applica application of broad consent, but I think it can be fixed by establishing the, the lawful ground for processing would be established by law. It's a kind of a legal legal basis and then the pro consent actually is for uh, the intervention of taking a sample and, and collecting the data. So the, the consent would actually serve as the, the providing the information for the research participant and it can be updated later on. But the, the lawful basis would be in the law and I think that will solve the problem. Yeah. Uh, if we come back to the DHL by bank, uh, what would you say, what type of a research uh, it is uh, most suitable for? Or would you have some examples of, of, of uh, studies that you're interested or excited about currently? Well, of course, Fingen is, becomes a, uh, the first one, absolutely. Uh, it was the THL Bank's material was one of the first starting point for, for Fingen because we already have uh, uh, genomic data from circa 100,000 participants. So it was easy starting point for this GWAS fever study that Fingen is, is conducting. Uh, and of course, it has ra raised a lot of attention throughout the world. It, it, it also, I think, attracts research in Finland. So I think it's, it, it basically, of course, it provides new knowledge and tries to find new associations between genetics and, and phenotype. But in addition, I think it also draws attention from the world how this can be really be done. So it doesn't have, to, doesn't have to mean that everybody has to come to Finland to do research. But I hope it also would serve as, a, as an example of how this could be done in a, in a large scale. And it's also a good example of a public-private partnership that we collaborate openly and, uh, and, and we, we know our deal and, and we share information and we decide together. Well, of course, Biobank is more or less like a provider, but the researchers in our institute can also be engaged in the studies. And, and I, what I think is also very good, it has, uh, it has kind of um, connected the whole Finland to, to do the same thing. 
and also clinicians in hospitals are involved in certain therapeutic areas. So I think it kind of a, it has really stimulated the, the environment hugely. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely, it's, it's one of the most important biobank study. Yeah. What would you say, why should, let's say, a global R&D organization of a pharma company be interested to work with THL Biobank? What are the things you can, you can offer that basically no other biobanks can offer? Well, I think we have a very good quality uh, samples and, and data, well characterized. There are clear protocols how they have been collected. And then also the genome data and, and the possibility to trace back to, to, to the research, actually to, to recontact the research participants. So it could also be used for stratification of certain research group for, for studies, for initial studies to test hypotheses and, and so on and so forth. Uh, and you don't only offer uh, samples and data, but you also uh, offer some services. And uh, I think you have quite an uh, impressive network of uh, clinical experts and, and scientists around TSL Pipebank. So could you tell a little bit about this? Yeah, actually really to the services. Um, we, uh, we have been in charge of, the, we have been taking care of all the FinGen logistics. So all the samples from, uh, DNA samples from other biobanks in Finland uh, come to our laboratory and we process them for genotyping. So we take care of all this procedure, which is a huge, huge effort actually. And we have also um, set up a, a data collection and sample collection facilities for research projects. So that's one of our services uh, and DNA extraction and, and RNA sequencing as well. But in addition, really, we are a very prominent uh, research institute. We have lots of researchers uh, which are uh, famous in, in many universities throughout the world. So it, it's very good to have collaboration because usually to understand the data and, and to improve the study plan, it might be wise to have a local expert involved. We both think that that um, data privacy is really important uh, when conducting biomedical research. But when you follow the like kind of a public discussion about the data privacy related to the biobanks or like a health research, uh, it feels like the the data privacy is, is almost like the only value that is is associated with it. So what's your uh, feeling about the current discussion about the uh, use of the, uh, let's say, resident data for, for medical research or, or data privacy related to, to this type of research? Uh, I absolutely agree that it's really important to protect privacy of the people, but uh, it's overemphasized in that regard that there should be, it should be kind of a, the only value basically in research. And actually the GDPR is, I think, wrongly interpreted because already in the GDPR, the, the, the European Union General Data Protection Regulation clearly states itself that, that the, the data protection is not the only value, but it should be balanced other interest in the society. And actually the GDPR is, in my opinion, a very good piece of legislation. It allows for for reflecting and, and finding out different mechanisms and, and different balancing and, and different lawful grounds for processing. So I think what it calls for is that the people who use personal data and particularly the, the, the sensitive data. So I think it calls for the people to better understand how they deal with the data, how they process it, with whom they share it, 
So I think it kind of a, it puts a little bit, uh, it's a good backbone uh, and, and calls for people to take care of these issues. But I think we should also balance other issues like as how to make research. If we only could, if we talk about for consent, for instance, and the self-determination and that people can understand and, and give always permission to use the data. If we take that kind of an idea to biobank world or biomedical research or epidemiological creatures, so it would lead to a situation we could only study those people who give consent. For one, it would, of course, take a lot of time to get the consent of the people. I really ask whether people really understand what's being done. And third, I think it would be very detrimental to the society because then the study, we could study only those who give consent and it would lead to a very biased research because there are lots of people who, for some reason or not, cannot give their consent because they are too sick or they cannot be reached. So, I mean, there has to be these other mechanisms, but at the same time, of course, accountability and responsibility of the data sharing. Do you think that the biggest problem with the GDPR is that it's uh, kind of a misunderstood by many people? Yeah, I think it's it's there are people who are overcautious in, for instance, in the authorities, and there is overinterpretation and very narrow interpretation as well because it's a, it's a piece of European Union legislation, and it shouldn't be read as textual like what it says exactly, but it should be thought: What is the reason? Why do we have this legislation? What's the aim of this provision? And then think: Okay. And, and we, it, it aims to protect certain rights or do certain things. And then we should, I think we, everybody should have their own plan. What, what I'm doing, do I have a legal ground for that? Can I really protect the data? So, and, and ask those questions. So I think we're, it would be on a safe side then at that point. Yes. Biobanks have been evolving a lot during the last decade. What has been your highlight during your career in biobanking? Well, there are so many good things that have happened, I think. I can't maybe raise one. I think the FinGen has definitely been one of the, the good things for the, all the Finnish biobanks that we have, the, we have planned together activities, we share ideas and, and, and contribute to, to development of biobank activities together. I think that's, that's, of course, one of the highlights maybe that really exemplifies how the Finnish biobank structure can deliver. But also, I think all the working together with the, the other biobanks that we have been uh, regarded as a good biobank research infrastructure by by foreign reviewers in the Finnish academic procedures. So, I, of course, that it, I have nothing to do with it myself. But I think that's um, that's also a very good sign that we have been able to work together in Finland. But I don't think I can maybe raise just not one single point. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> there has been a lot of changes in the uh, legislation recently, both uh, at the local level in Finland, but also at the European level, affecting uh, biomedical research. What would you say, what have been the main uh, challenges with the changing leg legislation recently? Well, I think um, European-wide, I think the GDPR has affected everybody actually. And I think it's kind of really frustrating because we're still discussing the same questions like in the 20 years ago about the broad consent and whether or not it's possible and so on. So I think it's really, it's really annoying, I must say. 
but in Finland, for instance, I think the government uh, with this health sector growth strategy that was launched five years ago, I think they have really been able to, to join forces with th- three different ministries and also Business Finland and so, uh, Finnish um, Innovation Fund, Independency Innovation Fund, Citra, and many other actors, and also this whole ecosystem where are public, lots of also companies involved. So I think we have been able to to develop a very good ecosystem in Finland, and I think also the the government wants to see uh, that the, the the legislation is also enabling it at the same time while safeguarding certain interests. So I think the 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 will is very good. Yeah. Would you say that that is the most positive development over the recent years? Yes, I, th- I think so. Yes, I think the flourishing ecosystem. I think it's it's really nice to see. Sometimes when you do this type of research, the researchers uh, may have findings which have a very important uh, implications for the participants' health. Uh, how do you deal with this type of data at THL Biobank, and uh, how do you? deliver this type of uh, health information to the participants who are not necessarily expecting? This is very tricky. And and basically our starting point was that because usually in the research projects, uh, we have the basic principle and following the OSAD guidelines that uh, unvalidated data should not be given back to the research participants. But of course there are certain cases when there is a clearly an actionable condition, that there is a prevention cure or something like that. And that was actually before the time of the biobank, when in Health 2000, there were approximately 40 people found that had a long QT time. And of course, then you can, which causes, predisposes them for sudden uh, sudden death. So then there was a procedure of, of, of contacting them, but not making them too worried and asking them to give a, a new uh, Uh, sample to to validate the finding, and also at the time there were discussions of in the healthcare sector what what kind of a uh, care path would be good for them, and it it was um, what I've understood relatively burdensome and and took a lot of time, but of course ultimately the the research participants were happy about that, but they told that it took very long time. Now if we think that there are hundreds of studies going on all the time in biobank studies. And there might be some findings, but not so clear and actionable. So I think it would be totally impossible almost trying to try to get hold of them and then validate them and then give back to them. And uh, actually there is a THL starting a project, the P6 in the genomics to healthcare, in trying to see how you could actually do that and and find certain conditions and, and develop kind of a procedure as how to communicate to the research participants, how to make the first contact, because there might be people who don't even know that they have been involved in a biobank because they were participants of so-called legacy cohorts. So there are different ways we are trying to tackle that. Uh, I think there should be, the threshold should be very high when we go back to the research participants. So I think it should be really a kind of a close to life-threatening condition, there is a cure or prevention, and then there should be a care path of how to take care of that. But we don't usually even know because many of the studies that are conducted by the THL Biobanks material are these huge GWAS fever studies. So the researchers don't know who are the participants. And and there might be, of course, they might go back to the, to the, 
the, the pseudonyms maybe, that this pseudonym XYZ20X has this kind of a condition. That would mean that the researcher contacts Biobank and then we start finding out what, what's really there. Um, but this is, this is something in the future. Yeah. So, but there are lots of, I think, pressure on biobanks so that even the research participants themselves could come back to, uh, to contact biobank and ask what kind of health-related information do you have in your biobank. But there again, there might be a raw file, for instance, we have this huge BAM files of sequence data. We don't know what's there, basically. It has been used in big kind of a genomic studies, which is uh, very valid in, in, a, in a kind of a research setting. But to start telling back, analyze and interpret it. And, and given that the genomic information is not very easy to understand and it evolves all the time, there are novel findings. So I think it, it would be, I, I, we are not there yet. What has been the most impressive usage of biobank data that has come to your knowledge? I think all, every research is impressive in, on its own way. And I think it would be unfair if I kind of raised certain research for more important in a certain way or the other. But in my opinion, because I really like our, this old traditional mobile clinic collection, which dates back to 60s, and it's all serum, and I think it's very underused resource. So last summer, when we have this Lyme disease epidemics in Finland, and people are very scared about that, so in Finnish epidemiological infections, researcher wanted to study whether what, what was the prevalence of Lyme diseases in 60s and, and it was really astonishing that it was actually more prevalent than nowadays. Okay. So that kind of giving feedback to people that who are worried nowadays that it, it's not a new thing, that it was actually there were places in, in Finland in 60s that, that we didn't anticipate that there would have been at the time because now we are cla uh, claiming the climate change but actually in the Oulu area, and there were lots of Lyme diseases. So I was happy about this piece of study. Yes. Small but important. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's a, a good example how you can use this, even the old samples, mm. in, in a very clever way. Exactly, because then I, it would be the continue the study. You might start thinking at what were the, maybe the causes of death or what kind of illnesses were they suffering from. So, if you could create a biobank of people uh, from any time in the history, what would it be, uh, which age, uh, which people and why? Well, I would like to see the, the people in the Asterix in the Gallia. <laughs> so, what are they do? They actually have their own specific genetic types so of why they are so persistent and they are fighting against the Roman Empire. So, I think it would be very nice to know what are there. Yeah, yeah. Genetic true, profile and... True isolate. Yeah, true isolate. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> what are your goals for the, for the coming, let's say, five to ten years? Personally. Yeah. Uh, personally? Yes. Well, that's interesting because uh, I think the biobank skin is, is moving and I don't know how, how, how you really, of course, I, uh, how it's developing and what kind of a leadership will take uh, how it will be marketed and so on, and what, what is our impact. Of course, we have to have a good infrastructure and we are different biobanks. 
But personally, I think I've seen a lot in this biomedical field and genomics is very appealing and I still would like to work in that. But in what role? So that remains to be seen. I've just, um, I've just submitted my PhD for review and I think I'd like to combine somehow research and practical work. But in what position and in what role? I don't know. Maybe in five years it will become more evident. But uh, I'm still on my way to somewhere, I think, yeah. and not kind of a not uh, starting to pace down. Yeah, but that's what makes things exciting. That's true, but I think uh, our institute is very interesting, the, the Finnish Institute for Health and Welfare, because it's so broad, expert institute, and there are lots of diff different disciplines and different very important goals, so it has always been a very important for me to be kind of a part of something that has some meaning. And that's why I'd like to work in, our, in, in this institute instead of being, for instance, like a commercial lawyer, even though they have very good cases as well. But I mean, sometimes when I used to work as an attorney, so I, I felt a bit separate from, from the, 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 really the goal and activities of certain organizations. So I'd like to be involved in, in, in the trip. Yeah. Finally, uh, where do you get the motivation and drive to do the work that you do? Well, actually, I think it's uh, the um, I've, I think the the work, the biobank, and the, the public health issues, and also the social determinants of health, and whatever the whole life spectrum that that we try to tackle in the Finnish Institute for Health and Welfare. So I think this gives meaning to the work, and I have just one part of it is trying to provide an infrastructure, and I think it's important. Uh, I think this ecosystem is very nice. I have great colleagues at the institute. Great. Uh, colleagues elsewhere outside the institute, uh, so I think I really enjoy this field. This is really fascinating, and and it moves on so quickly, so I can't. It's not time to be uh, annoyed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you very much, Sirpa. It's been a great discussion, and thanks for the tough match. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for joining us in another episode of Insight Talks. To find out more about MedEngine and how we are bridging medical science with business, head on to medengine.fi.